You are listening to Faithless Brewing, a Magic the Gathering podcast for the Spike Road. Each week we design new decks for tournament play. We put our creations to the test and share our findings on the air. Pioneer is a brewer's paradise and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Today we look at 10 spicy deck lists from recent events that will restore your faith in the heart of the cards. That's all coming up on this edition of Faithless Brewing. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show! Welcome to the Faithless Brewing Podcast. I am David Robertson, and I am joined by the CEO of the Faithless Brewing Podcast. He is Caved In Online, Daniel Schriever. Dan, what's going on? I am doing very, very well, David. How are you? Long time no see. Yeah, I haven't seen you in a while. I've been uh, recording with uh, Mr. Mordekaiser in your absence. He's been uh, bringing the spice from south of the border. <laughs> He's been keeping you busy. I've been following along. <laughs> You know, a lot of Orion lists uh, have been getting proposed from time to time. There's like a certain chaotic energy when it's you and Emmy on the cast together. I, I don't know what to make of it. <laughs> I'm going to try to bring more of that uh, NPR calm, that Terry Gross energy. Yeah, exactly. Only get enraged at uh, various members of KISS. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand that reference, but I'm just going to roll with it. <laughs> She got super pissy when she was interviewing uh, Gene Simmons about his, like, biography. And, of course, he was saying, like, ridiculous rock star stuff. But it was, like, a 60-year-old Jewish guy saying it. Like, it's hilarious she was still choosing to be offended by this guy <laughs> 20 years after people were listening to Kiss records. <laughs> Literally, next time you go look at anyone's whatever, online music collection, whatever that is these days, see if they have a single song from Kiss Comes Alive. They won't. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Okay. I'm like, yeah, Boomer Jund Week was last week, but I guess we can start off with some <laughs> Kiss discography trivia. So what have we got on the docket for today? I think today we're going to take a look at what's going on in the broader metagame. It's a pretty quiet week in the world of magic in terms of magic news, at least for our formats. There's some alchemy stuff happening. There's a new Commander Legends set, but we're just going to skip all that. They also had a failed last uh, Arena Pro Tour. Oh, that's and right. Nobody watched. I mean, the less said about that, the better, perhaps. <laughs> um, although Rafine looks good at the at the new Commander Championship, I will say. Of course. That. Rafine, Rafine is awesome. Uh, so we're going to focus on Pioneer today. Fast moving format, actually. A lot of people in the queues now, you know, six, seven hundred people, depending on the day, which is fantastic. And while a lot of the new players, as David, you have lamented, are just picking up the tier decks, in the league dumps, you know, the brewers are there. The brewers are out there, so we've collected some of the spicy lists. We're going to go through them and just check out some of the hottest tech in Pioneer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very exciting, because I think not only just that people picked up a bunch of the tier decks, they've also just... You, I mean, we talked about it last week. Just bemoaned, why aren't there bans? Like, the first thing people did, they played, like, three leagues and started talking about how cards need to get banned in the format. Instead of people just pissing and moaning, you see all these people bringing creative energy to build a bunch of sweet new decks. So that's very good to see. All right, so that's the plan of attack for today's episode. But before we dive in, we got to get our housekeeping out of the way right at the top. Yeah, so we would like to give a big welcome to our newest patrons, they are Richard E., Spencer A., and Bryger, also an elk. Yes, a completed elk. 3-3. Three, three. No abilities. All right. Once was a food token, is now an elk. <laughs> Love it. So welcome to all three of those individuals. Um, just a reminder, if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, the best way to do that is to go to patreon.com slash faithlessbrewing. Uh, yeah, when you join at whatever tier you feel comfortable with, you get access to the Discord, which is where people are firing up a bunch of crazy ideas, chatting about uh, magic, spoilers, 
complaining about cards, uh, you know, the normal uh, <laughs> magic discourse. <laughs> the discourse is popping off right now because we're right in this transition period between our first monthly project, which we just wrapped up uh, last week. We were focusing on Invoke Calamity. And right now, this week is the voting season. We're voting on the next card that we're going to feature. If you go back to, I think, the previous episode, we had Arun Jiggy Singh, Dr. Combo, and Brian Madden from the Serum Visions podcast. They came and joined us to share their findings with Invoke Calamity and go through the 11 new nominees. So it's cool to see everyone arguing about the cards in the Discord. The voting is still live, so there's still time to get in on the action. Yeah, right now, Ginny Faye is winning. So if you like Ginny Faye and want to support that card, that's a great thing to vote for. If you don't like Ginny Faye and want uh, literally any other card to go, uh, you know, it's not uh, it's not over. There's a there's a lot of competition here. So a lot of time left to swing the uh, results. You're not supposed to release exit polls until after all the polls have closed. <laughs> oh. No, sure you do. It's like as soon as anything <laughs> happens, we are like, hey, something weird is happening in Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> Curious, David, uh, did any of the 11 cards that were nominated jump out at you? I know you weren't able to record with us when we went through them. I really like the card uh, Reality Chip. Um, I think so far we've really only seen it played as like a one-of in Hammer Lists, especially before Loris was banned, and then in sort of like the, um, I don't know what you want to call it, the Jiggy Wiggy, Jeskai, uh, Mill List combo. Um, oh, the grinding breach, uh, grinding station deck. Yeah, exactly. Because it's it's both an artifact and a legend, and you know, for uh, Mox Amber, etc. Um, you know, I still have il- dreams, illusions, some might say, delusions of it being a fairish <laughs> card. I know you played that like Bant list that I proposed to like a three two. Um, so I mean, yeah, I just think this card is super cool. Uh, I love this card with Sylvan Carry added, especially, uh, especially the format's going to be very aggressive. Playing a bunch of O3s that can't be targeted and O4s is like not the worst thing in the world. So, yeah, I think there's lots left to do with this card. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. I think the, the list you're talking about, that was the Tezzeret, Betrayer of Flesh, Tireless Tracker, Wandering Emperor deck. Yeah, four, four Tireless Tracker. <laughs> I mean, you gotta pop those clues. Yeah. <laughs> Popping clues left and right. Yeah, Reality Chip was like pretty sweet in that deck. It's weird. It's like a card that everyone acknowledges like, oh yeah, that's a good card, but no one can describe how they would use it. Like outside of just Hammer, it doesn't see any play. Well, I I guess I disagree with you. I don't think people acknowledge it's a good card. I think everyone acknowledges it's a sweet card. Mm, but you're talking okay. about a card that functionally replicates a five mana enchantment after you spend five mana, and it's very vulnerable on its way to doing so. Um especially in modern where removal is free. Mm. Uh, so I, I, you know, I don't think this card has applications in modern other than in combo lists, but um, I think in pioneer, there's still enough space left to do stuff, especially as less and less fatal pushes get played uh, and more and more uh, red removal is played. Then four toughness is very relevant. It's very hard to kill. All right. So reality chip has your stamp of approval. Anything else? Um, I mean, if free flame painter, right? Like <laughs> when you get it to work, however you get it to work, it, that's got to be glorious. Well, I don't know exactly how we're getting it to work, but. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like that mind link mech deck that you had drawn up a while back. So if that's what the people want us to do, then that's what we'll do. I also, I also have a weird, weird love for getaway car. Uh, I even have a list already brewed that I just like have in my file. So when someone said, like, this is one of the 11 cards, I was like, oh, man, that would be sweet. <laughs> right? You, you have a secret getaway card? Deck? I already have a getaway card list brewed. So if it wins, mm-hmm. I just have an excuse to play it. I'll play it anyway, though, even for people. So if you're one of the eight voters, I will play a league with this list and give you some give you feedback at some point after this is over, no matter what. <laughs> All right. <laughs> a man of the people. Yeah. Okay. Well, the voting continues to pace. Again, if you want to get in on the action, you can. The way to do so is by joining our patron discord, which you can find at patreon.com slash faithless brewing. Also a quick reminder, we are branching out into some video content. People have been asking for this for a while. They want to see some of these brews in action. 
So, uh, so far it's been about one league a week. I'm hoping to increase that. Um, learning a little bit more about video editing process and the format is improving. I talked about the Esper Rafine list that you had suggested, David. I played, I think maybe the second tweak of your initial brew. And I actually recorded those matches with commentary now. So it's, it's not just chill replays silently, but actually has some additional thoughts. And you can hear a little bit about my play by play thought process. And that seemed to be well received. So I'm going to try to do that going forward. It's a little bit more work, but I do think it adds a little bit more. Are you recording it after you've had a chance to calm down or what? Or are you like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> recording? You're like, oh, and this, this jackass, like top decks, whatever. The only card that whole deck that can kill me. I actually, I recorded it twice. So like I recorded it as I was playing, which like takes forever. You know, a league can take between an hour, sometimes two hours, depending on how long the games go or how slow your opponents are. But if you just use the magic online replay function, every game takes about two minutes. So that's what I've been using for these YouTube videos. That's how they're like, you know, a little kinder. Um, they're only like 25, 30 minutes each. Um, so th that's what I did for this one. I just like <laughs> threw out the original recording in which I'm like ranting and raving at the screen. Like, what the hell? <laughs> God damn it. Um, took a step back, took a deep breath, put on some relaxing, you know, ASMR style music and went back through the games and shared my thoughts after you know letting the wisdom marinate or germinate for a little while. I like it. I, like it I a still lot. got mad like sure. watching it happen again. I was like, what the hell? You know, I can't believe that. All right. So Patreon, YouTube, all that's out of the way. Let's dive into some pioneer. Shall we? Yes. Let's. So I was looking through the results from this week, right? There's always two challenges on Magic Online, Saturday and Sunday, two league dumps as well. Metagame looks extremely different in each case, right? The challenges, you see the same four archetypes and like a handful of rogue decks. The leagues, you find all kinds of stuff. But I was pleasantly surprised. I think I highlighted almost a dozen decks here that uh, had something of interest for us to sink our teeth into. So let's start off with this Gruel Transmogrify list. David, you've had your eye on this for a while. Yeah, so I don't know who 5 would with it first, but a bunch of people have um, basically adopted it and then made minor tweaks. But the fundamental idea is similar to the uh, Jun list that I proposed. So it was that Transmogrifying for Titan of Industry is better than Agent of Treachery. Um, and that because you're playing like uh, Asika's Chariot, Courier's Briefcase, Careful Cultivation, Fable of Mirror Breaker, you're like fair game, quote unquote, is not that bad. Also, like Chariot's ability with Titan of Industry to dominate the board is insane. And then Fable's ability to copy the Titan um, means that your inevitability is off the charts. It also is very relevant that the um, the first token that you get from fable can attack to make a treasure so you have a very real chance of casting uh titan so the way that this differs is they basically say like we're just never ever ever going to beat uh, any of the combo decks so they abandon thought seize which i actually kind of like that idea um the original the original player as well right there's no thought seize, you're not playing black and there's very few cards on the sideboard that address combo in any way and so once they did that they basically had the deck that i made but much smoother because the mana is much better. If you think that Strangle is close to push, I'm not 100% there with that. But okay, you've got a very efficient one mana removal. Uh, Flame Blessed Bolt. Because they have ramp, Mizzy of Mortars is actually very powerful. Mm. Uh, two mana, you know, if you want to think of it as a sorcery speed, Terminate, more or less. right? There's, there are cards that doesn't kill, but there's very few. But then in a pinch, because you have Careful Cultivation, um, Courier's Briefcase, etc., you can kick it or over overload it. Uh, so you're playing a main deck sweeper. When I first showed the first 5-0 to you, Dan, the things that I really didn't like, as I said, there has to be some Valakut Awakenings in here. The one change that everyone has made to the 5-0 list is they've added some number of Valakut Awakenings. So I really like that. Um, because it's two colors, you get to play all kinds of other value lands. You get to play, so Kenzin, obviously it's a source of tokens. Uh, Lair of Hydra, multiple Den of the Bugbears, which again makes tokens. Um... And then people have been adding Luca Copperco Outcast. So you have 
a whole nother uh, minor suite of transmogrify. Now, the first list that 5.0 had four Luca, and I, I mentioned even to you, I thought you kind of want two. I was playing the five mana Liliana as sort of a reanimation uh, to go with the, the looting away of the Titan, possibly. So this basically takes the place of that, like a five mana kind of value planeswalker. I think Luca is much worse if you don't have a creature to sacrifice, but it puts a ton of pressure on your opponent's removal. And new technology that people have adopted is playing Nissa, Voice of Zendikar, which is a card that can come out early. It makes tokens to defend itself. And uh, yeah, I, I like the look of Nissa, especially in uh, this kind of list. So they've really cleaned up the mana for my Jun list. They've identified that they aren't going to ever beat combo no matter what. So why lose points on that? And I've started to lean that way too. Like, oh, if I don't have any thought seasons, I'm going to lose game one. It's like uh, newsflash. Like thought plus the two mana creature plus a three mana creature you lose a combo anyway so maybe just don't lose the points like thoughtsies isn't that good against all the blue red xerox list it's okay against Winona, but it's not great obviously it's bad against mono red um so yeah I, I love the look of this list you could you could quibble about a few points but once you make the mana clean it lets you do a lot of stuff with the with your man with your lands i think the build is still in flux uh the list that we're talking about is Dom Harvey's list from the weekend challenge, but in the league dump, there were like three different variations on this list. Weird, because they're all in Gruel, but they're just like changing up numbers. Some of them are playing Emergent Sequence instead of Careful Cultivation, which I don't really understand. I don't, I don't think that the Emergent Sequence is ever better than Careful Cultivation, unless you really want a 2-2. You also have to play a ton more basics. Like you're seeing in Dom's list, he only has to play two Forest, two Mountain. The other lists have to play so many basics because they're playing, they want to always be able to create a creature there. So yeah, your mana gets worse. You don't get to play as many other lands. I, I think that's a big mistake. So I disagree. It's in flux. Careful Cultivation is the card. It's way better in every way. There's, there's mm. no question about it. Okay. Courier's Briefcase, that's a four off, and that's a card that's going to come up again in uh, just a few lists from now. Luca, I mean, it's weird to see a list that does not play any creatures. Like one of the reasons we liked Luca when Akoria came out was that you can play Luca in a deck with one drops. You know, wouldn't that be cool to go like one, three, five into Embercool? And this deck is just like, okay, well, we need more copies of Transmogrify and we can't play Indomitable Creativity because we're playing Chariot. Um, so I guess Luca's the best you're going to do. Yeah, I actually think Luca is really bad here, but I think you do need more than four Transmogrify. So I don't know what to do. To me, you saw the list I proposed. Again, I was still, you know, on the Thoughtseize train, but I was just all in on that 2-4 skip and was playing a bunch of Chandra Torture Defiance. Um, so I mm -hmm. see that Dom has adopted one. I really think that number should be two or three, and, like, Luka just sucks. It's just not a good card. It can't actually win. Like, you can plus it and plus it and then minus it. Like, there's no threat. So all you're doing with Luka is just forcing them to have removal, but you have to resolve a five-mana sorcery. I... I just, yeah, I just don't believe in this card at all. Um, and I think the times that Chandra's going to be better than it is is overwhelming. Yeah, Chandra Torch of Defiance seems perfect. I mean, she ramps you from four to seven for the Titan. Yeah, exactly. And four mana is just so much better than three mana, or excuse me, than five mana, because, again, we're playing Careful Cultivation, not the other garbage card. So, like, they're very likely to tap out on two. You just flash in Careful Cultivation, resolve Chandra, minus her, kill her creature. And then they have to play a spell to kill Chandra, so she's already two for one. Or if they don't, you can just cast Titan. It's And again, because our mana is so good, getting the three green is way easier in this list than it was in, in my uh, Jun list. All right, so we like the Relicate Awakenings. I see some people are still playing Fire Prophecy, but that, that feels just like worse than playing the cleaner Relicate Awakenings and Strangles. Yeah, you can play both. Like, you can play one of those. Like, Flame Blast Bolt is not a must, right? Like, we could replace one of the Mizium Mortars. I do think Instant Speed is, like, relevant. There's a lot of Sorcery Speed removal here, which isn't great. Mm. Uh, for instance, you you really don't have a way to kill Shudder if they wait until turn three and flip it by discarding a creature. Like, you just can't kill it in this list unless you specifically have Mortars um, as a two-of. So, you know, the Strangle is not... Fatal push. It's it's it is much worse. It, it can never kill Winota. Um, so yeah, you, you, there are minuses, but I I love a lot of the choices that they're making. And yeah, you just like you just get to when you play control or, or excuse me when you play combo, you just get to concede on turn one and then don't sideboard. Just concede on on turn one in game two and then just move on to the rest of your league. So that's good too. <laughs> 
All right, so that is Gruel Transmogrify with Titan of Industry, a deck you are likely to run into these days. Next up is one that I did not believe I would ever see in the challenge results. You've been telling me this card is playable, possibly even good. I, I confess I didn't believe you, but here it is in 21st place in the Saturday challenge, talking about fight rigging two and a green enchantment with hideaway five. So when this enchantment enters a battlefield, Look at the top five cards of your library, exile one face down, the rest go on the bottom in a random order, and then the rest of the card gives you an opportunity to free cast the card that is hidden away. In the case of fight rigging, it says, at the beginning of combat on your turn, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. Then if you control a creature with power seven or greater, you may play the exile card without paying its mana cost. Four fight rigging is in this deck. David, what's going on here? I'm not 100% sure. So one of the things that, that people have realized is these uh, five hideaway cards, you really want to make the normal ability pretty good. And so that plus one plus one becomes very relevant when you have uh, Vorinclex around. The extra plus one plus one uh, is huge. Ooh. And then because you have Vivian Arcbow Ranger, you can make any random creature, right? Vivian gives it plus two, plus two. If you just have a fight rigging that's been whatever, buffing an elf, you can make any of your creatures powerful enough to um, trigger it by itself. The other thing that's interesting is they're playing Werewolf Pack Leader, which triggers on attack power. So again, just fight rigging, pumping it the turn it comes into play. The next turn you can actually uh, animate Werewolf Pack before combat. It goes to five power. It got a plus one, plus one on the previous turn. So... So without playing another spell, Fight Rigging triggers it, and you get to draw when you attack with your Werewolf Pack later. Um, so that, that's super cool. Like, that, that's something I hadn't even considered. I mean, when I read Fight Rigging, I assume that my one thing I have to have in a Fight Rigging deck is six power creatures. And this deck does not really do that outside of the three Vorinclex. It doesn't even have five power creatures. It's not playing Ronas. So... Like, am I just misunderstanding what you need to get out of fight rigging for it to be worth a card? Well, I think a plus one plus one counter every turn is a little better than we were realizing, including the turn it comes into play. I think Aspirant, uh, the one white, one, one white creature, has shown that just slowly over time, your creatures will outsize if you get the plus one plus one. And this is basically like an Aspirant that is not targeted by <laughs> zillions of extra spells, right? Like, mm. shot kills Aspirant. Uh, <laughs> various you know stomp push etc nothing kills fight rigging so even when it's at its worst right it's just pumping your burning tree emissary and, and lanowar elves and your opponent is whatever countering whatever it's just over the course of the game adding four or five power um it makes you resistant to wrath you don't have to play out into stuff so yeah i i actually think just this person is understanding that the front side even the non-combo half is pretty good and getting to turn it all the way on is awesome. Uh, and then I think that line with Werewolf Pack Leader is just... It, Werewolf Pack Leader is really hidden by power creature. Hmm. And the fact that you can just go Pack Leader 2, Fight Rigging 3, Attack for 4. On turn 4, just play your fourth land, activate Werewolf Pack Leader, and you get hmm. to draw a card and the free card. Uh, and you're attacking with a 7 power Trample creature. And you've only had to play two spells that whole game, and the entire time Shock was bad against you. Uh, that's that's pretty interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's like a hidden line. Definitely did not see that one. So, yeah, I mean, on the outside, this list looks like Mono Green Stompy. Uh, I would say Mono Green Devotion. There are four Nykthos Shrine to Nyx, but this is not the Planeswalker build. And kind of as a funny consequence of playing Vivian and not playing Karn the Great Creator, the sideboard looks extremely weird, right? They They mostly retained that I'm not going to cyber any cards philosophy. It's all a bunch of one-ofs, but instead of being a mix of Karn and Vivian targets, it's like all Vivian targets. <laughs> and there's a lot of weird, weird creatures in this sideboard. There's a <laughs> Kogla the Titan Ape. I see a Frog Hemoth here. Yeah, Descended Mindbender. Um... Tarask, uh, Decimator of the Provinces. Yeah, I do like, though, that you get to play, or they're, they're sideboarding four Satishan Petitioner, Satessan Petitioner, which is one green, green, two, two. When it enters the battlefield, you gain life equal to your devotion to green. Hmm. So this card is just insane against red, right? I mean, we're talking about like a three mana, two, two that gains six life 
and you get to play four of them. Um, yeah. Plus, you get to tutor for it in game one if, if you have if you have enough time. Yeah, I mean the the fight rigging lists I have are all like maybe too clever by half, like Saltai builds that are trying to get um, Valky underneath my uh, fight rigging because you can cast the back half. They're just saying like we just have a bunch of beef around, and Voracious, Voracious Hydra is a card that isn't even a good hit on fight rigging. So what they're what they're hoping with the fight ring is mostly just that plus one plus one every turn is great, and then eventually it's a plus one plus one every turn plus a card that's probably a little better than the one one from Aspirant, and the extra one mana you're paying for it is is worth it because it, it won't die. All right, so that's mono green Stompy with fight rigging. Next deck up took sixth place in the Sunday Pioneer Challenge from Soul MBA Gayade. It's Boros Midrange. Boros Midrange. I mean, those words are heavy on my tongue. I can't believe I'm saying this. How did this deck make top eight? I don't see any synergies here between anything in the entire deck. Yeah, this is, uh, for people my age, this is Boat Brew 2.0. <laughs> Boat Brew, as people may or may not know, was just the original way that they described Boros X before we had the Boros Shard, which was just a bunch of like red, white, good stuff. And, you know, historically, red and white have not had cards that are like mid range power level. But they have printed a few cards that kind of let you do that. Like Fable of the Mirror Breaker, right, is, is just a mid-range card. It doesn't do anything else. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm as confused as you are, Dan. I mean, the, we have two Thraben Inspectors. <laughs> <laughs> They're playing a Myla Crafty Companion that they can't cheat Luca in the back half. So maybe they're just playing it as a 2-3, a reasonable amount of time. They're main decking two Sunscorch Champion. Uh, four, four Bone Crusher Giant. Again, it's just a straight up two for one. Right, this is the new Flame Tongue Kavu. Three Chandra, two Wandering Emperor. So those are the best four mana Planeswalkers in the, in the format, I think. Strangle. We've talked about. You know, I, I I said this during spoiler season. I said this card is better than people realize. Um, we're seeing people main deck it. Right, is it's it's almost as good as push. Um, three March. March is better than any of us thought. Or I guess I'll speak for me. Is much better than I thought. And then. The the only kind of techie card I think is is Conclave Tribunal. I just don't get it. Like I play that card in Enchantress and I like it there, but that's because it's an Enchantress deck. <laughs> Here they're just like, yeah, I'm gonna play some somewhere between two and four mana for this, probably three or four mana just to exile a permanent. Four copies of that. Why? Yeah, they have very few creatures that they want to tap, and they can't get a bunch of spells in a turn anyway like to cast it efficiently because you're playing Archon of Emeria with very few instants so <laughs> maybe this person's just awesome at magic soul MBA yeah. Galad whoever you are <laughs> are you a genius please talk to us so let's talk about Sun Scourge Champion uh, you, you mentioned this card as if it was just a card that people <laughs> have ever played <laughs> This card has never seen the light of day as far as I know. I mean, it's it's cool. It's like Kitchen Finks with Eternalize. Two and a white for a 2-3 when Sun Scourge Champion enters, gain life equal to its power. Why does that matter? Because if you Eternalize it for two white, white, and discarding a card, it comes back as a 4-4 four, four zombie version of itself, and then it gains four life. Two copies of that main deck. Is that just here for incidental life gain against red? Is this card like better than we thought? I mean, okay, so first of all, some people have played it. It has been in multiple 5-0 lists as a couple cyborg cards in God Pharaoh's Gift list at various points mm. in the format's history. Uh, and and God Pharaoh's Gift itself was like a fine standard deck for short periods of time throughout its time in standard. As a main deck card, no. I, I, it, like you described it as Kitchen Things. Kitchen Things has so much less of you <laughs> and gives you the four life. Um, like... Eternalizing this is not even free. You have to discard another card, which is crazy. Well, it is a 4-4 out of the graveyard. I mean, that's pretty good. Right, but... That feels worth a card. Sure, I'm just saying it's not an extra card. It's... No. It turns any card in your deck into a 4-mana 4-4 that gains 4 life. Yeah. Uh, And there's no, like, (laughs) madness spells or anything. It's just... Yeah, this is so wild. It's like, why are there three Archon of Amerias in the main deck? It's just like, oh, this card is pretty solid against the format. And it's true. Like, I get very annoyed when my opponent plays an Archon against me. 
No matter what deck I'm on, I'm like, oh, that's actually kind of a problem. Okay, so Archon of Emeria is the only card that I like get here because that is that was in the white black mid range list. I think people have realized like white has actually the best hate cards for what the format has. So it makes sense to me that like a white X mid range list would be good. I've been that's why I was building all those Esper lists. Like white also doesn't have any good hate cards against it, um, like Noxious Grasp and whatever. As long as you yeah. like, but you're you're still like trading fine and all that stuff. But it's like, yeah, I don't understand Mila. I don't understand Sun Scourge. I don't understand Conclave Tribunal. Um, I don't understand Tooth Raven Inspector. Like, I just, I just don't really get what's happening. Um, I guess you get to play a bunch of great lands. <laughs> like, yeah, Den of the Bugbear is good. I, I, I just, th- this is the most perplexing of all the of all the lists. You looking forward to siding in your? Rem Carolus Stalwart Slayer. I literally did not know what that did, so I had to look that up. <laughs> Two, three, flying haste for three. Um, yeah, that's that's good stuff. All right, we're in the presence of a master, clearly. Uh, Boros mid range. Next deck up is perhaps even crazier than the one we just described. This also comes from the Sunday Pioneer Challenge from Zokor. It is a Bant. Solemnity Nine Lives Combo. Enchantment Prison, and that's basically all this deck is, right? Four Nine Lives, four Solemnity. Nine Lives by itself will buy you some turns. Once you find the Solemnity, assuming the opponent does not have enchantment removal, they cannot damage you anymore, right? This is like a hard lock. It's a key part of like the historic Enchantress deck, for example. How do you find these cards? Well, this pilot has decided to just go as hard as possible on Commune with the Gods effects. They're playing four copies of Commune with Gods, four copies of Shimmer of Possibility. That's just one in a blue. Look at your top four, a card that Lotus Field plays to find their Lotus Field. Four copy of Commune with Spirits, a card that uh, we thought might be important for assembling key enchantments. So that's right there is 12, what do you call them? They're not cantrips per se. Are they cantrips? Yeah, I'd say. I mean, they replace themselves. Okay. Faux tutors. <laughs> Faux tutors. I mean, they dig pretty deep. They're like ancient stirrings class. Yeah, there digging. you go. Um, so you're playing 12 of those, I presume, just to find your nine lives and your solemnity. There's very little of the deck dedicated towards defense, per se. There's just two silk wraps in the main deck. Beyond that, you have a couple like one of enchantments that are good in different situations um glorious sunrise can gain you some life or ramp you but primarily gain life rest in peace one of those one deafening silence one sandworm convergence this prevents creatures without without flying sorry this prevents creatures with flying from attacking you and then you get a 5-5 worm every turn an overwhelming splendor to turn all of your opponent's creatures into 1-1s. And I guess because you have to win at some point, three copies of Patient Rebuilding, the absolute terror of Corset 2019 Limited. Three blue-blue enchantment. It mills the opponent for three every upkeep, and then you get to draw cards based on how many lands got milled. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of... uh, What's the modern deck that tries to put... um form of the dragon into play with a big that big sorcery that doesn't let you play any spells for the rest of the game oh the epic spell yeah uh, enduring ideal i think that's what so it's yeah called. this deck just tries to assemble the two three mana enchantments and then it doesn't do anything it's like I, I don't even know why you have to play all these extra expensive spells you're never gonna hard cast them but once you have the combo in place can't you just win with any of these cards like, I would play way more, like, silk wrap type of effects and just, like, a, the patient rebuilding will win by itself. It, that's just, I, again, I won't claim to understand this deck because this person's a genius, but it seems like, like, oh, you have Sandworm Convergence in case you need to stop something. It's like, no, no, we're, we're assembling the combo. <laughs> we're never going to get to eight mana. <laughs> there's there's 23 lands in the deck. <laughs> yeah, there, there is. <laughs> there's no way to cheat these things in a play outside of first casting a Glorious Sunrise. Right. So you have all these effects, right? Like you have four Moon Blessed Cleric, I should mention that, one Idyllic Tutor. One thing that I found really, really interesting about this deck was three mana tutors are just like so bad, apparently. Like they're just too bad to play. Like you have Idyllic Tutor, which in theory finds anything you need, and this player is only playing one copy. Like Grim Tutor, a card that is very expensive or used to be, 
because your tutors are so powerful in Commander. It's just like a completely unplayable card in one-on-one. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that the uh, each combo piece is three mana means that the way that your curve goes, right, is you need to spend turn mm-hmm. one commuting, turn two commuting, turn three one piece, turn four the other piece. So, yeah, I think the fact that the, the combo pieces cost three means, like, tutoring on three is, is legitimately, like, an anti, like, casting time warp targeting your opponent. So do you feel like this is just a great meta call, or is there actually something here? I'm stunned that this deck did as well as it did. You know, I played a lot of Nine Lives uh, Solemnity uh, combo when it came out. You guys were skeptical. I think I went, like, 3-2 and 4-1, and it was better than uh, even I thought it was going to be. Um Totally different shell, of course. The problem is there are cards that people play that just beat this. Like, Stomp prevents nine lives from working for a turn. So I think if people understand how to play against this, like, you're not even safe with your combo. They just Stomp target their own creature, and uh, then they just (laughs) go to town. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was an issue I was afraid of as well. I was playing like a turbo fog last week and I was like very, very afraid of stomp. And then how do you ever beat like blue white control or any control variant uh, with this? You know, all your resolve enchantments can be eventually removed by uh, five minutes of fairy. So yeah, I, I think it probably has good matchups, but I'm, I'm mm-hmm. surprised at it as well as I did. It's probably just a tribute to them, like really understanding their deck. Uh, really understanding their matchups and just playing very well. All right, next deck up is one that was a flavor of the week about a week and a half, two weeks ago. Um, a lot of hype, a lot of buzz. Unclear if it was a meme or not, but we're talking about Simic Paradox Engine combo. Paradox Engine, Bandon Commander, <laughs> five mana legendary artifact. Whenever you cast a spell, untap all non land permanents you control. So you can easily go infinite if you have anything that, you know, taps to cast a spell. Kind of similar to the Emery, Jeskai's Hennessy setups that, uh, David, you've explored in the past. But how is this deck put together? Yeah, the fundamental card that it exploits that I hadn't even considered is Courier's Briefcase. So Courier's Briefcase sacrifices to make a mana, which means... Uh, if you have an Emery to bring Courier's Briefcase back and any other uh, mana-generating non-land permanent, and so they have Elvish Mystic, Lanoir Elves, uh, Mox Amber, Moon Snare Prototype, Springleaf Drum, and a Paradox Engine in play, you just tap Emery over and over. Every time she casts Courier's Briefcase, Courier's Briefcase untaps her. The Briefcase taps for one mana itself. Um, and then, it, so if you're, your elf or mox amber, etc., then you have infinite coming to play triggers for your artifact. So, um, this list is not playing them, but the first list I saw was playing the one, four guy that made a one, one, every time you cast an artifact. Oh, Sci Master Thopterist. Yep. I, I guess you do get the citizen from the briefcase. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair, great point. This list is at a retraction. He list which was, was not in the first five Oh list. Um, but yeah, so it's playing like the, the, the key thing that I think makes this deck work that this person realized is because you can use all these other mana sources, you don't have to just be all in on the artifacts. Turn one, uh, mana elf is like one of the best openings, right? Like we, we all have to play one mana removal because it's so good. So it's powered up mono green and Winota. Sure. This is just like another way to, um, you know, like a, like a much more efficient Winota finish that is maybe slightly less resistant to certain kinds of removal, but uh, has a different kind of fair plan and tax on a totally different axis. I mean, looking at it, I see 19 lands and a ton of mana sources in your spell slots. Elvish Mystic, Llanowar Elves, Mox Amber, Moonstar Prototype. There's a lot of air here, right? It's like if I did start off with a turn one elf, like how many business cards are in the deck? There's three reality chips, four card, the great creator. And that's kind of it. Then you have your four Emery's, your Paradox Engines to complete the combo, but if they can stop Emery, Karn, and Reality Chip, I feel like you don't have much going on. Yeah, I wonder if you can get to a point, though, where you have, like, Paradox Engine in play, Kinnon making all your mana sources tap for a bunch of mana, and then maybe you can't go infinite, but you, like, 
Tap all your guys, activate Kinnon. Kinnon actually casts a spell, I believe. Let me double check that. It does not do that. All right, let's move on with our lives. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's Simic and Paradox Engine. Don't don't edit that out. People should know that I'm a moron. <laughs> Courier's briefcase combo. It's in. Lock it in. <laughs> but yeah, it's cool to see how Courier's briefcase, you know, a card that we thought was going to be cool for Transmogrify combo, and it has been, is also a functioning combo we just didn't anticipate at all. Um, all right. Moving out of the challenges, we venture into the Pioneer League dumps. These are decks that managed to win five matches in a row. Kudos to them. It's hard to do. It also doesn't mean a whole lot. Um, so take these lists with a grain of salt. The first thing that caught my eye was a lot of people playing various Angel Tribal decks. When we say Angel Tribal, like we, we kind of know what the good Angels are, right? There's... Bishop of Wings, that's the 2-mana 1-4 that gains 4 whenever angels come into play. There's Righteous Valkyrie, which we did a week on. There's Resplendent Angel. And then you just gotta kind of like fill it up with some other angels. Giada is the big one. Giada makes these decks good. <laughs> she's, she's the best card in the deck by a mile. Right, right. Um, so Giada is a new card from New Capenna that uh, really rewards you for being an angel tribal deck. Um, she adds mana, which can be used to cast angels. She lets each angel enter with additional counters uh, based on how many angels you have in play. What had not quite been figured out was like how to just finish out the slots. And what I'm seeing is that people are not satisfied with the one mana and the three mana slots. We used to play Speaker of the Heavens on turn one. Um, kind of a win more card. You have to be at 27 life before it does anything. And I think that, you know, as people have cut that card, they're still having success just like trying different things in that slot. Uh, so I saw one list playing Lunark Veteran, a different list just splashing into green. Well, I guess they're all playing green for Collected Company, but playing more green sources so that they could play Gilded Goose on turn one instead of the Speaker of the Heavens. Yeah, what do you think of all this? I just don't believe in Linvala, uh, Shield of Seagate. Every time it's played against me, I'm like, wow, I'm so glad that's not any other card and just effortlessly beat them. So you're splashing blue. The, the one of these lists is a Bant list. And that's the only blue card. So, you know, you're you're making your mana much worse. I think Gilded Goose is a fine turn one play in general because it does have life gain applications. Um, so you don't need... I'm fine playing Goose even without splashing the blue. It just seems like so loose to me. It's legendary, but we're playing it as a four of. Yeah, you have to really want it. I mean, look, you're playing Bishop of Wings on turn two and you have four mutavolts in your deck and pathways. So like, how good is your mana? If you want to play Gilded Goose, Bishop of Wings, and then also have blue mana, like I see four copies of the Triome of the Sparrow's headquarters here, but I don't think it's worth it to go into blue. The other list was instead of playing Linvala, they're playing Skyclave Apparition, which seems much safer, although it's not an angel. Yeah, I like that they even have a one of uh, Elspeth Resplendent. Their deck is really dense with high power three mana permanents, including the book itself in matchups where that's important. And Elspeth Resplendent comes down and pluses to give lifelink to a creature and a plus one plus one counter, which can be enough sometimes to... Um, uh, trigger your resplendent angel and that's when you're kind of like turns go crazy so I, I really like the idea of a resplendent uh it sort of is your fifth collected company because i think the best card by far on the list is giada the second best card by far is collected company why not just have like a much worse collected company is still pretty good um hmm. yeah i'm actually wondering if extraction specialist is worth a look here uh, as like another three drop because that's kind of like a mini collected company Although these two drops don't die that easily, so maybe... Yeah, I think one of the big attractions here, right, is, again, red removal's everywhere because blue-red Xerox is the best deck in the format. Uh, red removal has a really hard time with all these big bots. I, I played a uh, the gem list we talked about last week. We'll talk about it in our next episode. Uh, I just couldn't attack with any of my creatures, right? Like, they just have a bunch of 2-4s. Like, I could not attack with um, the 3-2 the that makes a blood. I couldn't attack with Graveyard Trespasser. Uh, I couldn't attack with um, tenacious underdog. All right, so those are angel company lists. One Selesnya, one Bant. Can I interest you in Esper Yorian Angel Pyre of Heroes? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
this list is absolutely wild. They're playing Pyre of Heroes, which is like a birthing pod, but you have to stay within your tribe. And because they're playing that and they're playing 80 cards, they have like an angel toolbox package. It's all these random one-of angels that... I see like Gisela, the Broken Blade here. There's one Linvala, Shield of Seagate, one Archangel of Thune, an Angel of Sanctions, little throwback to the God Pharaoh's Gift Days, a Shalai, Voice of Plenty. They even have Orvar the Allform here, Honorary Angel, and a Legion Angel. That's actually pretty cute. If you could pyre into a Legion Angel, uh, get three more out of the sideboard. And especially in a Orion list, I actually love this tech here because your sideboard sucks. You're not going to draw your, well, unless you're playing me, then you're going to draw your three Mystic Disputes. But normally you're not going to see your sideboard cards as often. So it doesn't hurt as much to incinerate three spots on very mediocre cards because your sideboard is bad in your Orion lists. Okay. All right. So I named white and blue cards, but I said this was an Esper deck. We have to talk about Angel of Suffering, David. Yeah, so this is new technology. Angel of Suffering is in the new list. It is three black black for a 5-3 flying. If damage would be dealt to you, prevent that damage and mill twice that many cards. I think I wrote a note when we were looking at the spoiler. We did not discuss this card because I was not interested at all. And I just said, what if they just (laughs) cast Strangle on your Angel of Suffering? Uh, they're not going to damage you. I don't, I, I still don't understand what this is doing. Like you could say, Oh, this is good against aggro. Like it isn't. They just tap a red mana and you have, you tap five mana. This isn't like protected by anything. So angel of suffering is here four copies and it's the only black card. Well, sorry, there's one veto with the dusk rose, but you're splashing hard for this. It's obviously the five drop. They are going to pyre into, right? So, not only are they playing Angel of Suffering, they're so worried about all the milling that might happen. They have a one of Gaia's Blessing that they cannot cast. So when they mill it... <laughs> so that is like the lock, quote-unquote, right? If you have Angel of Suffering in play, your opponent will be milling you, and then as long as they keep hitting Gaia's Blessing, you're never going to attack. <laughs> like, I feel like that's what they're trying to do. Now you're wondering, how do they prevent the Angel of Suffering from dying? Well, they've thought of that too. They have one copy of Mirror Shield, which is an equipment for two that equips for two and grants X-proof. Do they have a way to tutor for that? Like, I I feel like I'm just not getting what's (laughs) happening right now. Well, you have Shalai. I mean, you can tutor for Shalai, and then your uh, other creatures have X-proof. That's probably the real way to do it. Yeah, but I mean, I can kill Shalai. That gets no protection. (laughs) So a push and a strangle <laughs> beats the lock. <laughs> like, I don't. <laughs> I'm like trying to find, there's gotta be like something here. I guess. Okay. You do get to attack for five in the air. So you don't have to do this forever. You can just survive for a little while. Question mark. Um, there's a search for glory. I mean, I guess the hope is you have like Giada or something in play, right? So the angels actually got like a big bot. I will say like, my experimenting with the uh, the five black black uh, demon that makes them discard at the end of your turn, right? That you can tap artifacts to make it cheaper. Yeah. If you can get this to five toughness, it really cannot be killed by very many cards in the entire format. So there is that. I think that that is a legitimate thing. The problem is it starts at three toughness. So uh, that's a major issue in my mind. It, it, you have to do all this. You have to play this card that isn't very good and they have to do extra work to protect it. Whereas the demon just protects itself and takes a card from them at the end of your turn. Hmm. You do have the option to like pod a cleric on two into veto Thorn of the dusk rose. And that's kind of cute as well. Um, veto will train your opponent whenever you're gaining life off Bishop of wings. But uh, I don't know what to make of this, this list. Kudos to the player reading is tech on the five. Oh, um, Hope to see you again sometime. Yeah, super cool (laughs) list. I mean, I I had not even considered Angel of Suffering as like a good card, and they obviously like built a list around it in 5-0, so that's awesome. All right, next up is an Obnixilis, the adversary list, and this one is also very, very spicy. (laughs) David, tell us about this list. All right, so this list is playing three Obnixilis, the adversary, uh, but the main thing that this list is is a Waste Knot list. And I think one of the things people didn't realize, or uh, maybe just me, is that connive is a must trigger. So mm. waste not if there are shredders everywhere is actually incredibly powerful. Um, 
because you can trigger the shredder when they have no hand. Uh, they'll trigger the shredder to do their own thing. And then your list can just be like relatively normal value cards. They have uh, Acquisitions Expert. They have Elder Fang Disciple, Croxa. Uh, a mix list, if you don't have any cards in your hand, is now it's a fast clock, right? You've you've sacrificed your uh, Elder Fang Disciple, which got some value. Um, and now you're just, you know, you're just hitting the plus button over and over again. Um, Liliana Walk, uh, Walk, Waker of the Dead. Again, it's, it's a card we think of being very mediocre, but in all these waste out lists, I find like it does close the door really quickly. Like once you don't have a card in hand, this is just like doming you and there's, there's kind of no hope. Um, I have, I played this list, uh, like a week ago. I don't know if they were inspired by this 5 uh, whoever I played, well, I played it before this specific list, but. Um, I will say it's really good against Rafine. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> um, waste not. Uh, it does it does a number on you. <laughs> so Rafine is connive X. So like just for attacking, you have to trigger waste not like two or three times. Yeah, I think I sent you a few screenshots that were uh, pretty ominous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's a lot of cards that. I mean, they work with this card, but you just you just never see these cards. Like Liliana Waker of the Dead, you almost never see that card. Three copies of Inscription of Ruin. This is two and a black kicker four. So for seven, uh, you get to choose all of the modes. But normally, you only choose one mode. And the modes are Mind Rot, discard two cards, return a creature with mana cost two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, a.k.a. get back an Elder Fang Disciple, or destroy a creature with mana cost three or less. I mean, this card is so clunky. There's three of it here. Yeah, I think basically what they're saying is like, we don't want to play, um, like when, when you have your nut draw, this card is good because you just turn one, whatever, Thoughtseize, turn two, Waste Knot, turn three, Inscription of Rune, they discard two. But when you don't have your nut draw and you're behind, this is basically like a bad um, removal spell. But it still kills basically everything. Basically, all the creatures that matter are three CMC or less. There's very few four CMC creatures in the in the format. So this is basically a way for them to play more removal, but it's also a card that's still great, unlike um, Go Blank. Hmm. You, you know, so like Go Blank is better than this when you have your nut draw. That's fine. But this, they're hmm. like, a lot of times you don't have your nut draw. And that's where the Hagra Mauling and Invoked an Inscription of Ruin come in. They do just enough to keep you alive, right? Because you do have a bunch of guys that will slowly grind down on them. Again, Angrath of Flame is only good if there's a bunch of creatures that cost three or less. And the format has really put pressure on creatures to cost less and less. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's like a Dreadbore. Yeah, I suppose. The last card this list is playing is three copies of Invoke Despair on the top end. This is five mana. Sorcery, target opponent, sacrifices a creature. If they can't, they lose two life and you draw a card. Then repeat this process for an enchantment and a planeswalker. We see this card more and more popping up in like different shells. None of them are tier decks, right? So I just don't know if these are flukes or if like there's actually something to this card. I, I saw like a Golgari mid-range list, a Mardu mid-range list in the same deck dump that all seem to be relying on Invoke Despair. I see it in Modern even. Yeah, and like that uh, black-white mid-range list that I liked that was in consecutive deck dumps, I was hoping it would kind of become a mainstay of the format. I haven't actually seen it since. I think they were playing three or four Invoke. Um, yeah, it's a really good card. Also, like most people... Against other mid-range lists, it goes way over the top because it takes a Planeswalker and a creature. Um, if people are going to play Fable, this actually gets the enchantment, so it always kills that that creature, plus it kills another one. So it's like a two-for-one against the quote-unquote mirrors, right, where everyone has Fable, uh, plus, mm. plus another creature. Plus you do another two damage. And then the incidental damage is very relevant to this deck, right? Like, if you give people enough time, they'll draw lands, and then they'll draw spells to play with those lands, right? And your discard doesn't do anything. Like, Waste Not gets bad. But this says like, okay, fine. You know, I got just enough value. I've plinked in a few times with Acquisitions Expert or Elder Deep Fang or whatever. And then like Obnixilis or Liliana is going to just start doing some incidental damage. And then Invoke just all of a sudden just, you know, takes four or six of your life. Uh, and, and you've lost your creature. You, you don't have a clock. So I think it's important in a bunch of different ways. So this is functioning like the rack, but it's also a five for one. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, I can live with that. All right, so that is Rakdos Waste Not. With Ob next list, although, I mean, hearing us talk about it, I feel like Ob has got to be one of the worst cards in the list. Again, I don't know. He doesn't look great, if I can be honest with you. All right, next up is another Rakdos discard deck, but this one is trying to discard their own cards. This is a Rakdos Madness deck, and oh boy, it is the deck that I have been dreaming about. I have been fantasizing that someday we'll come up with the perfect formula to combine Blood Tithe Harvester and Sorin Imperious Bloodlord. Sorin Imperious Bloodlord, the three mana Sorin, is the linchpin of all kinds of mediocre mono black and Orzhov vampire decks. Blood Tithe Harvester, perhaps the best two drop in the format. Now Ledger Shredder is perhaps tied or slightly better. It's a vampire, right? Blood Tithe Harvester is a vampire, so why can we not just combine it with Sorin? Well, finally, someone has done that, although I have some reservations about the rest of the cards in the list, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> this is a strange list, David. Yeah, you know, I've you know every time uh, the set releases, I'm always trying to do this thing, right? I love Asylum Visitor. I just it's a weird pet card for me, so I'm always playing it with Voldar and Epicure and Blood Tithe Harvester. They go all the way and add Fatal Mirror Breaker. Okay, we know that's a fine mid range card. Four Fatal Push, four Thoughtseize. Okay, we're still not blowing anybody away here. It's where it gets like deep into the weeds is they play four Falconrath Gorger. So just for people who don't know, <laughs> this is a one red mana Vampire Berserker, 2-1. Each vampire creature you own that isn't on the battlefield has madness. So if I play this on turn one, play uh, whatever, Blood Tithe Harvester on turn two, the next turn I can discard a card. And if it is another Valderan Epicure or something. It has madness, um, as long as the Falconrath Gorger is on in play when the discard is happening. Uh, you discard before the colon on uh, Blood, just so people understand. Mm. So the, the card already is, the madness is already triggered. You can't stop it, like, in response to sacrificing the Blood. Yeah, so you end up with, like, a fairly low-curve deck. I mean, between four Epicures, four Falconrath Gorgers, four Thoughtseize, four Push, that's 16 one-drops. Three Asylum Visitors, four Blood Tithe Harvesters. Your three drops, you have just three Sorens. I'm kind of surprised about that. But, I mean, this is not like the traditional Vampire's deck where they're trying to drop in a bunch of, like, four and five drops. This is a, a more limited selection of uh, expensive Vampires. Just two Champion of Dusk. One Kalidas Trader of Get. Three Twilight Prophet. Twilight Prophet. Yeah, crazy card. So two black, black, two, four flying. Ascend. So Ascend is a mechanic from one of the worst recent, uh, maybe not even that recent anymore. It only triggers if you have 10 or more permanents where you have the city, then you have the city's blessing for the rest of the game. So you have to have 10 permanents in play. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you had the city's blessing, reveal the top card of your library, put it into your hand. Each opponent loses X life and you gain X life where X is that card's converted mana cost. So this is like a casual player's dream, right? You play it in like turn seven, you, your play group's all been ramping. And then at the beginning of your upkeep, it basically like draws you an extra card and then it does a bunch of damage to your opponents and you gain life. Um, I don't know what's, what's happening with this card. This just seems so bad to me. I don't understand it either. Yeah, I mean, okay, I, I want to like this deck, but I just can't. I can't get behind the specific selection of vampires. I feel like if you just start with Blood Tithe Harvester and Sorin, you can just play like the good proven vampires and have a pretty good deck. I don't think you have to go as far as Falconrath Gorger either. Yeah, and like Twilight Prophet isn't even a good card to play with Soren because you only are going to have five permanents in play. <laughs> so you just, you played a three mana, two, four flyer with no other abilities. Yeah, I'd like to see that be more champions or even like, um, like Evelyn the Covetous maybe. That card seems okay. Well, I really like the uh, one in a black draw card, lose a life uh, vampire. Do you like that better than Asylum Visitor? No, I like cutting Falconrath Gorger. <laughs> oh, okay. Or keeping some number. I, I, I'm into like, you know, I played that list with a Asylum Visitor and like the 7-6 that makes you discard every turn and Soren. 
think I four one twice, and you guys were super skeptical. So I, I've got a lot of love for like the idea of Asylum Visitor with Sorin with some of these discard effects. I think Fable has shown itself to be a very good fair card. This is a very fair list fundamentally if you're playing Push and Thoughtseize. So maybe there's more here than we're giving it credit for. I think you could just preserve a lot of this list and then even just cutting the three Twilight Prophets for literally anything else. And I think you've started to win me over. Also, the four Sorin just have to be better than the first Obnix list. Uh, you don't even have that much power among all your creatures. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. All right, so that's Rectos Vampires. I think we have time for one more list. Let's go with the Grease Fang list, because as, as we know, Grease Fang is like the best bad deck out there. I think there was a, a deck dump, what was it last week, David, that had five Grease Fang lists in it? Yeah, it was like two Esper ones, totally built differently, an Abzan, a uh, Black White, and a Mardu. That, to me, is a sign of, like, a bad deck, but I don't really know what conclusion to draw. Like, no one can agree on, like, a powerful build. Every build seems to have fatal flaws. This build has more cards that I like. Namely, it has both Ledger Shredder and Rafine Scheming Seer. It's playing Grease Fang and Parhelion. That's like the, the combo. But in order to support that, you need some amount of discard to get the Parhelion into the graveyard. This list, in addition to the Legislator and the Rafine, is also playing a little David Robertson special for copies of the Modern Age, which I do not think I've actually seen anyone besides you play this card. Yeah, and I hate to say it. Um, I really think this should be Rafine's informant. I, I don't actually like Modern Age in this list. <laughs> Really? Yeah, like if you're going to play Rafine, you really get paid off for having more two drops that actually get to attack. So the, the line of two drop into Rafine is really good. Um, Modern Age isn't a creature until turn five. It's, it's like there's no synergy at all with Rafine. Mm. So I think if you're going to play Rafine, that's good. Then I'd play more two drops. If you want to play Modern Age, then I would almost uh, play like more instant speed discard because you just pass on turn three if you don't have the nuts. Because what you really want is the turn after Modern Age, so turn three. That's the turn you get to discard and play Grease Fang without them being able to uh, Graveyard Trespasser it or whatever. So if that's what you're going to do, then I like leaving up mana, right? So like play Modern Age on two. You can play the blue-black, draw two, discard uh, one, unless you've got all your mana costs. And because you're playing T-Cruise and Perhelion, maybe you can even get the, you know, you have one, two, three, five, whatever. Um, or you could play the blue white, like draw two, discard two, or whatever. I, I I like I just like that style of deck better with Modern Age, because Modern Age really rewards you uh the next turn you either get to go for it or you just get to pass with all your mana up and then flip back to your two three. Cause Rafine is awesome if you play it and you get to attack right away. And now they yeah. have to like kill your informant, which they don't want to do, right? They want to save all the removal for Grease Fang, but what are they gonna do? Just let informant loot and become bigger? Like that's not sweet. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that for sure. Last little bit of tech is that in addition to the Treasure Cruise Consider and Opt package, the pilot here, who is uh, Luriper, has split their main deck removal between two copies of Fatal Push and two copies of Ray of Enfeeblement. Ray of Enfeeblement is a sideboard card. It kills Winota, it kills white creatures, it gives a white creature minus four, minus four for a single black. Why are you playing that main deck? Well, you can you can cast it on any creature for minus four, minus one. If that kills an Elvish Mystic, for example. Or you just loot it away. I mean, if you really feel confident that you have a bunch of looting, which this deck is playing 11 looting effects, plus consider opt-in treasure crews, like maybe it's just a cost you pay. Yeah. You know, if this is the thing that you ought to be doing, then... That, that's a pretty bad sign about how distorting Winota is. I think one of the appeals of lists like this is that I think you can Parhelion before they Winota enough of the time you don't need to do this. But if you just hate Winota, like like you said, you can just play cards that just truck it. Uh, and then you never get punished for it because in theory you get to Ledger Shredder it or Rafine or uh, Modern Agent or whatever away. Yeah. All right, well, we'll keep our eye on any developments on the Grease Fang, the Grease Fang corner. <laughs> yeah, what the, the, the 18th build of Grease Fang. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, I think that will do it for us for today. I mean, David, how are you feeling about the state of brewing in Pioneer right now? I'm excited that people continue to brew. I think the voices that are influential, and I don't, I'm not assigning any like bad uh, motives to anyone. I think people are are speaking their own truth. Um, I think that the people with the loudest voices are actively calling for bans and are not interested in exploring lists uh, that can sort of combat this. I mean, when when you have dudes six wanting challenges with Boros midrange, uh, I think that there's space to to do. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of stuff in the format um and you know you and i have played a lot of this format i we don't even understand what the boros deck is doing so it's like there's <laughs> yeah it kind of reminds me when all the physicists in like the late 19th century just declared like physics was solved and then like einstein published four <laughs> papers in a year and there's like what the fuck is going on like each of these just rewrites everything it's like oh well <laughs> the last 30 years is just a total waste <laughs> Who can forget uh, Einstein's Boros midrange deck list? Yeah. Das Boat Brew. This is, yeah, like, the Boat Brew is is like Einstein's paper on Brownian motion, is what I'm suggesting. <laughs> All right, well, on that note, uh, let's call it here for today. We'll be back next time, I believe on Monday, for our brew session. Now that we've seen what other people are up to, we're going to roll up the sleeves and try out some lists of our own. And the card we are going to be focusing on is Extraction Specialist, a card that's been showing up in a few different places, and we think it has a little more potential to explore. So tune in then, and we'll see you next time. All right, take care. Deck lists for this episode can be found at our homepage, faithlessbrewing.com. And tune in on Monday for our brew session featuring Extraction Specialist, plus testing results from Jund Week. Support for this podcast is provided by brewers like you. If you like what we do, you can join our community at patreon.com slash faithlessbrewing for Discord access, bonus content, and more. That's all for today. Stay safe and we'll see you next time. <laughs>